Hey, competitor, welcome to this brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. As you can tell a little bit, the audio is different today because I am not in the home studio, but recording out on the road, and my portable mic did not make the trip. It's still sitting on my kitchen counter. So bear with today's audio as it is a little lower quality than traditional, uh, but we've got a great interview. My guy, Luke Savage, Texas Ranger baseball player, former TCU Horn Frog, is here to talk a little bit about his baseball journey, about the mental game and tricks he did to keep himself focused in the face of challenges and distractions. But more than that, we're going to talk today about his nonprofit, Blessed Feet, that we have been excited to get to watch and support from afar and the incredible work that he and his co-founders are doing for children in the Dominican, for children here in DFW, giving them the opportunity to play sports, which we know are incredibly important with the lessons that we get from the game, the importance of overcoming challenges, of being a great teammate, of learning to always give your best even when you don't feel like it, all the things that set you up for success in life. These guys are going above and beyond to make sure more and more kids have the opportunity to play. So sit in, listen to the show. If you feel moved to get involved to support the work that Luke, Jake, and the Blessed Feet team is doing, check out the links here in the show notes. At the very least, give them a follow. But if you got a pair of old baseball cleats, old tennis shoes, and you're looking to give them a home where they're going to get put to good use, check out these guys. If you've got a little extra money at the end of the year and you want to support a great group, check out these guys. And so with that, I want to welcome in to the show my guy, fellow Horn Frog, Luke Savage. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah. For those listening, uh, maybe new to the show, maybe not familiar with Luke and his career and work, he is a TCU Horn Frog. He's also a member of the World Series champion Texas Rangers system. Uh, and so I was excited to have the opportunity because I connected with Luke uh, through Courtney on our team. So for those of you that have ordered from us in the past, Courtney runs our fulfillment. Uh, one of Courtney's kids, Jake, is good friends with Luke and involved in this really awesome project called Bless Feet. Uh, and so when I learned about it, I was like, we need to connect and have you on the show. But I uh, do, before we, we dive into that, baseball is obviously the the love and the game you do professionally now. Uh, was it always the favorite sport or did you play something else growing up? It was actually football. I mean, I always loved baseball. My dad, he went to Texas Tech to play baseball, so I grew up playing catch with him, you know. But it was actually football. I grew up in high school. I wanted to play football in college, and then baseball just kind of started to, to take precedent. So, I mean, I can't complain for sure. I love baseball with all my heart, but football was number one for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, man, and, and obviously a great – uh, college career, you guys had an awesome season last year for TCU and, and obviously getting drafted into the Rangers system. What a, what a great time uh, to be part of this system right now, dude, is, is awesome. I'm curious, uh, before we talk a little bit on Blessed Feet, I'm curious because I always love talking to baseball guys about this. It is a long season, and it is the game that I laugh more than anything. You've got to be okay failing. Maybe not okay, but you have to accept it's part of the game. Like you're not going to sure. go perfect. How have you learned to almost mentally flush uh, different batters, different innings to where every opportunity is a fresh one as well as every day when most people struggle like carrying yesterday into today with their work. But in baseball, obviously you do that, you're going to hit a bad streak pretty quick. So how are you able to mentally reset in the game and then as well as after the game? So every day gets that fresh look from you. 
Yeah. I mean, I think on the mound, the biggest thing I've learned is really just like, you can, can only, you can only control so much. So it's like, I can prepare as much as I want and, you know, perfect my mechanics to try and be the same over and over again. But then after that ball leaves my hand, there's really nothing I can do. So, I mean, I could execute a pitch perfectly and the guy could hit a home run or I could throw the worst pitch of my life and he could swing and miss. And so it's really like, you know, the results are out of my hand, but I know that I've prepared well enough. And it's kind of just, I think preparation is probably the biggest thing, just knowing that, you know, I've worked hard to be here. And so it's kind of like, I put myself in a good position and then after the ball leaves my hand, it's really not on me. So there's nothing I can do. Don't worry about it. Have you, have you always had that mentality or is it something you've kind of had to train yourself from a self-talk from a focus standpoint over the years? I think it's been there a little bit, but definitely more so focused on once I got to college. I mean, we had mental coaches and stuff like that at TCU. And so that helped a bunch. And I mean, really just like, like you said, self-talk positive, positive attitude on the mound has been a big thing because it's easy to get up there, you know, they get a few base hits and you're like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? Can I throw a strike right here? You know, like the negative thoughts creep in real fast. And so kind of just being able to, to forget that and hone back in on, on what you can focus on and what you can control. Dude, love it. And, and obviously that is something that pays dividends in life outside of it. Talk to me a little bit. You got a little bit of a taste of pro ball this year after getting drafted. It was almost like you guys college world series and then immediately the draft and then you're off yep. to, to Arizona. Tell me how that kind of whirlwind was for you of, I mean, I'm sure you didn't even have really a chance to catch your breath. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. I mean, you know, it's like regional, super regional and then college world series, which is all incredible. And then it's pretty much just like, I think it was a week and a half after is the draft. And I mean, those three days are like the most stressful of your life. It's like, you know, you've dreamed of this as a kid, all you want is to be picked by a team and, and go off and play pro ball. And so it's kind of just like sitting around with my family and baseball is different. Cause you know, you grow up expecting it to be like the NBA or the NFL draft where it's like everybody sitting around, like waiting for the call, but it's like baseball, there's, you know, 20 rounds. And so yeah. they just pop up on the screen. Like it's not even like they announce it after the first two or three rounds. And so you're kind of just like, you don't want to watch because you don't want to be like locked in for six hours of just waiting to hear your name called. But it was definitely, uh, it was quite the whirlwind for sure. Dude, that's awesome. And and then talk to me about the process once you were drafted. What did kind of most people know, like NBA, you're you're doing summer league camps, then you're hopefully making the team getting ready for the season. NFL, we know, you know, it's rookie mini camp and then mini camp and season. A lot of people don't understand baseball and especially obviously the journey from rookie ball to A to triple A or double A, triple A, and then the bigs. But once yep. you get drafted, what does that process look like? Yeah. So for us with the Rangers organization, it was pretty much, I think the draft ended on a Monday or Tuesday, and then everybody flew out on that Friday. So we all flew out to Arizona. Um, we were there for like two to three weeks. Everybody was there for two to three weeks and people would start getting shipped off to low A or, you know, they'd stay in Arizona, wherever the organization thought they'd play best. And so then we were there for pretty much two to three months-ish, and then people would get moved up, moved down, things like that. And uh, then Instructional League, and now we're in the offseason. So it was definitely a quick turnaround for for people that were playing college baseball. Yeah, what, what was the biggest, I would say, change? Obviously, you'll get a, a different taste, I think, going into this next year. But what was the biggest change, at least initially, going from the College World Series to Arizona and the type of ball you were playing or even just the rotation of teammates of people moving around all the time. Yeah, I think uh, probably the biggest change is just like, I mean, I was super grateful to go to TCU and I mean, our fans are awesome. So it's like every game that we play at at home, there's probably four to 5,000 people or more depending on the game. 
And then you go off to rookie ball and, and it's like, you know, you're not really playing for a crowd half the time. It's like more like an inner squad game. And so kind of finding the ability to pitch like it's Omaha and, you know, have that yep. adrenaline and have that, have that type of game. But at the same time, no, there's like probably 10 people from the organization in the stands and really nobody else. And so just being able to even that out and still perform at the, the top of your ability, but it might not have the same adrenaline rush. I would be curious if the ability to almost pump up yourself in those moments where there's not the crowd, do you find that the ability to do that is almost the same as the ability to calm yourself in Omaha when you're on the mounds and everybody's going nuts and it's really easy to let your emotions pull you into the moment versus to focus on the task? Um, I would say it's pretty similar for me. I like to be like kind of amped up. I mean, there's guys, you know, that are like a different level of where they're having three Red Bulls and going in and it's like, you know, these guys are, these guys are crazy, but that's not me, but I definitely like to feel, you know, like amped up, let out a yell every now and then. And so it's definitely pretty difficult to do that when you're no, like, you can't really yell when there's, there's nobody watching, like it's just a little awkward. And so kind of having that same feeling, but it might not be the same execution in a way was definitely something that I had to learn in pro ball. Yeah. And, and one other thing before we switch gears into blessed feet, I'm, I'm always fascinated by is kind of the, I would say the off field. So even college baseball is a long season. Pro is obviously even longer than that. Yep. How do you throughout the year, keep yourself focused and locked in when it's very easy to coast? I would say for a lot of people mentally early in the season or midway through the season, kind of the doldrum side, how did you personally keep yourself engaged in a long game? Um, mm-hmm. That, honestly is a struggle for a lot of folks. Yeah. I think um, for me, probably the big turning point for me was when I got hurt in high school and I was out for like an extended period of time. And so I think the realization of like, you really don't know when your career is going to end and it could be, you know, like that you could throw your last pitch and you'd have no idea. And so really just not taking it for granted and going out there every day and being like, this could be the last game, you know, hoping that it's a long career, but you never know. And so going out there and giving it your all and being locked in, even if you're not throwing that day, because, you know, I thought college ball went, went went by in a blink of an eye and you just really never know when it's going to end. So just don't take anything for granted. Yeah. And so talk to me about that as well with pitching, like you're pitching every few days, every five, you yeah. know, every five games with pro. What are you guys doing when you're not pitching? Obviously you're locked in, but like, you're like, I'm not, I literally am not getting called out today regardless. Uh, yeah. What is kind of that like to still be, I would say an active teammate, even though you're like, I'm not getting on the field. Yeah, I think uh, so for pitchers, especially like bullpen guys, it makes it uh, a little difficult because it's like, you know, you want to keep it light. You want to want to keep it fun in the dugout. But at the same time, it's like, you know, everybody there has a job to do. And so I think for me, I try and like split it up to where it's like some innings. I'm really locked in because, I mean, obviously I'm going to face this team or whoever we're playing. So it's like trying to see hitter tendencies, swing path, things like that. And then other innings, it's like, you know, we'll pull pranks. I'm sure everybody's seen the videos to where it's like, you know, you might be dancing around or putting something on somebody's hat. And so definitely trying to keep it light, you know, like keep everybody loose because the game can get really tight if you let it. But uh, also just, you know, like there's a time to lock in. There's a time to cheer on your teammates. And so kind of like finding that balance of, of when it's right to, to, you know, laugh and, and goof off, but then also make sure you got your guys back. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and it's funny. One of the uh, one of the mental performance guys for the Cleveland Guardians, Brian Miles, uh, I've gotten to know the last few years. And Brian laughed that there was a video a couple of years ago that went viral of him. And everybody assumed the mental performance coaches in the dugout having this like really serious conversation. 
And they picked him up on audio and he and two of the other, one of the other outfielders and guys are just chatting of like, how do you pronounce charcuterie board? And Brian had no idea. And it was like a two to three minute conversation that Brian's like, charcuterie? Like it was a really funny. Yep. And he was like, I liked it because most people had no idea. Like they assume everything you're like super locked into every yep. moment um, for that. So that was fun to hear. Uh, I'd be curious with yours just randomly. Do you know which mental performance coaches with the Rangers you'll be working with? Uh, I was curious if Hannah Huseman will be working with you any over the next year. I do not. I know it's kind of split up and we have, yeah. like, we have four that we met in Arizona, but it was pretty much like they were just all over the place traveling from affiliate to affiliate. Yep. So I think it's okay. pretty evenly dispersed, but I'm not for sure if there's like a specific for each team or not. Okay, cool. Well, Hannah's on the Ranger squad, uh, joined a year or two ago. Okay. Awesome person. She's been on the podcast a time or two. Uh, her and her husband are great people. So uh, you're definitely in good hands with them. Uh, let's switch gears. Okay, so you, we laughed. You play college ball. You play pro ball now. Uh, you're not busy at all, uh, as it nope. sounds. And oh, by the way, you you started this nonprofit that does international work. I'm curious where the the origins of Bless Feet came from, and and maybe before that, give us a snapshot of what you do right now with Bless Feet, what what the organization does, and then let's go back and talk about where the inspiration came from. Yeah. So right now we're focusing a lot on obviously we. So for those that don't know, we collect shoes, cleats, sports gear, really anything relating to to sports from jerseys to bats. I mean, we do almost every sport, but we collect these things and then we take them to those who are underprivileged. So right now we focus a lot on baseball clinics in the Dominican Republic, but we're also moving more towards, you know, inner city DFW. And really just we're trying to move to any place where we can fill that need. And so, so far we've collected around 4,000 cleats and shoes and then Plenty more gear, bats, baseball gloves, really anything you can think of. I'm sure we've got it out, out in storage. And so that's really what we do with Blessed Feet. We're just trying to move and, and help people as much as we can because, you know, sports is just uh, kind of just like what you can do to, to help people out. Sports really bridges the gap. And so that's what we try and use sports to, to make an eternal impact on these kids. Yeah. And so we're kind of talk to me about like where the idea even came from. Because yeah. a lot of people usually will get into spots and be like, man, somebody should do something. But then actually yep. doing something is a whole other deal. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so in high school, we were fortunate, like you mentioned, uh, myself, Jake, and then a few other of our friends with high school, we were able to go on multiple mission trips to the Dominican Republic. And for those that haven't been out of the country, it was like everything everyone said it would be to where it was such a culture shock, you know, like. We grew up here in America taking a bunch for granted, thinking that, you know, everyone in the world might live similar lives to what we do. And then you show up there and it's like kids are playing baseball for eight hours a day and flip flops, no shoes, you know, shoes are torn apart. They might be playing in jeans, no, like no shirt. And you really just you think, wow, I probably get a new pair of shoes every six months. I grow out of them or or, you know, they might have some scuff marks. So I go and get some new ones from the store. And so seeing that and then also seeing just the joy that the kids had there, I think was life changing for a lot of us because, you know, I think a lot of us here, like we struggle with, with plenty of things and we look around and it's like, we have any, everything you could ask for. And these kids practically have nothing to compare to us, yeah. but you walk up, don't even speak the same language. And I mean, these kids have the biggest smile you'll ever see. They want to serve you, even though you're there to serve them. And so I think seeing that um, really changed our lives. And then the second time we'd gone to the Dominican Republic, 
COVID had happened right when we came back. And so it's pretty much like school was shut down. Nobody was doing anything. And myself, Jake and Ryan had grown really close to one of the, he's like a sports organization leader slash youth pastor down in the Dominican Republic. We'd grown super close to him. So we'd hop on like FaceTime calls, just asking how things were going, seeing what we could do to help. Cause obviously we knew we weren't going to go back since it was our senior year. And so it was run through our high school. And he had said, I mean, you guys have been down here, you know, we struggle with a lot of the material things that you guys have. And then that was kind of when the light bulb clicked. I was like, you know, I think I've gone through six pairs of cleats in the last two years and half of them are in fine condition. And I'm sure a lot of people in North Texas feel the same way. And so it really just started with that idea. And then over the next year, with the help of a bunch of family members and, and other friends, we grew the website, tried to, to code that and all that, which was a completely separate thing. And then it released at the end of my freshman year of college. And then y'all partnered with the Rangers on an event. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was, we've done uh, a partnership pre-draft, with the Rangers. Pre-draft time. Yeah, pre-draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did that uh, twice. So the Rangers were super awesome. I mean, we played them. So they would do like a, a fall league almost with the instructional guys. And they would travel and play different different teams. And so they had played TCU. And they heard about what we were doing with Blessed Feet. And so they kind of did like a shoe collection drive in the fall. And then this past spring, they had already heard about Blessed Feet. They saw that we had gone to Dominican. They reached out saying if they could help. And then it was at Globe Life when we were playing Arkansas, uh, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. And so we had no idea what it would be like. It was obviously we'd have the shoe collection. Anybody could donate monetarily. And then they ended up presenting like a huge check that we were super grateful for. And so the Rangers have always been super supportive. They always reach out, seeing what they can do to help. And so we're excited to see see what we can do in the future with them as well. So one of the things that stood out when you and I talked was the idea of, especially we'll say the Dominican Republic versus the work you're doing locally in DFW, is you don't want to take like brand new stuff. You're not going to take people's money and go buy a bunch of brand new cleats and gloves and stuff for a couple of specific reasons. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So I think one of the big things is like – obviously new stuff is super expensive. And so we want our money to be stretched as far as we can, because at the end of the day, our mission is not just to provide the material needs that these kids need. I mean, we want to make a permanent impact them and develop relationships with them and not just be people that are showing up and bringing nice new stuff. And so we're going to give them the nicest gear that we can get. And we're going to clean cleats up. And, you know, if we need to buy new stuff, then we're more than willing. But in the end of the day, our goal is not to just show up and give these kids you know, whatever bat or glove or, or shoes that they might want, but it is to develop a relationship with them to where they know when we come down, we're there to serve them and we're there to develop a relationship and not just provide them with some new stuff. Dude, and you were seeing something about, I guess, getting into the country with certain things. Like you wanted to be very yep. intentional with what you took because some of the new stuff might not actually get to the kids. Yeah, yeah. That's what that was been. That's been one of the, the biggest um, obstacles that we've had to jump through is because you can't send stuff down to to the Dominican because otherwise customs will go through it. And unfortunately they'll probably take whatever's new and whatever's nice. So pretty much we have to go down there, take it all on a flight with us. And then either way, I mean, the past few times we've been stuck in customs for about three to four hours. And it's obviously difficult because of the language barrier. And so they think that we're going down there to sell the stuff, especially if it's brand new. And then, um, so yeah, we've been stuck there for probably three to four hours. And, and Jake, like you've mentioned, he's, He's got the best Spanish knowledge out of any of us, but it is definitely not uh, not enough to be fluent. And so it makes it difficult to get through and, and be like, no, we're just trying to help people. We're running a baseball clinic. 
but yeah, especially when there's new stuff, it's a, it's a little bit of a red flag going through customs. Yeah. So speaking of the clinics, tell me about the, y'all ran a clinic, not terribly long back. Um, I think maybe before the baseball season, we posted it on compete, but you guys were down there in some of our gear. Uh, Talk to me about how those clinics work, especially given the language barrier. Yeah. So uh, lucky for us, the guy that we had grown super close with, his name is Joel and he speaks Spanish and English fluently for both. And so he's a, he's been our translator and then we usually have one other one as well. But um, I mean, the language barrier is obviously super hard and all of us in Blessed Feet are doing our best to, you know, get on Babbel and learn Spanish, but it's, uh, it's definitely not as easy as some people make it sound. Um, but yeah, our clinic is pretty much, we would just, this past year was probably the best year that we've done to where we had a tournament with five teams, kids ranging from 13 to 18. And it was just like, you know, a baseball tournament that they'd have here in the United States. And we had every kid's shoe size. Um, so we got them tennis shoes and cleats. We were able to provide some new jerseys for some of the teams. And then it was pretty much, you know, like we, the first day we had like some competitions where we do like, you know, who's the fastest every, every kid or every team would submit a kid and whoever was fastest would win a prize. Same thing with like catcher throwdowns, outfielder throws. So it was pretty much just like, you know, an opening day event that you'd see here with some big tournament in the U S and then we were also able to go down there, share why we were there, share the gospel. And then after that, it was pretty much just watch the kids play. You know, we'd play music in between innings. It was definitely fun to see, you know, like they, some of the guys down there, they, they liked some interesting music. They were playing like Adele and stuff. And it was like, you'd never guess that this is what we'd be playing in between innings. But um, it's, it's definitely super cool to, to kind of see the way that you can communicate, even though you might not speak the same language. So a lot of the kids would be like, you know, asking for our phone and then they just plug in whatever they want to say to translate. And it was like, you're talking through a phone, but at the same time, it's super cool to see, like, they want to talk to you. They want to grow a relationship with you. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Google translate uh, is a lifesaver. And the one thing that's funny you mentioned about the music, we were, my wife and I were in Europe a few weeks back and yep. we've been a few times over the last couple of years just to get away. And we noticed like how much American music is played there. And yep. it's like one thing all over the world, man, the American music, 70s 80s current like oh, yeah. Adele like it's everywhere uh yep. <laughs> so that's always pretty funny dude for people listening because I know we have a ton of people that are former athletes still active that that love the idea of helping kids get involved in sports especially when we talk inner city DFW to kids in the Dominican just because we know the power of sports the power of learning how mm-hmm. to be a teammate of, of dealing with adversity all of the things especially the things the game of baseball teach you where can people get engaged with the brand, uh, with the work you're doing? Where can they sign up to either donate, donate gear, sponsor, yep. any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So our website is blessedfeet.org. And then all of our social media is underscore blessedfeet underscore. So if you're looking to connect with us, you can do that either way. And then on our website, it basically lays out what we do, how you can help, whether that's through volunteering, donating, donating money, donating gear. So it lays out all of that on the website. But I mean, we would love for, for anybody to reach out. We're always looking to, to grow our brand and grow our ability to help people. So if you have any ideas or, or want to give monetarily, time-wise, you know, we're more than willing to, to accommodate you in any way. I love it. And then one of the things that you and I had talked about, I know you guys are getting ready as well to roll out some corporate sponsorships and some partnership yep. opportunities for groups that are able to to contribute more, maybe CEOs listening that want to get involved with a, a really cool organization, um, reach out to Luke. We'll include kind of a link to their contact page as well. So you can get in touch with him, especially right now it's off season before you ship off again. It's yes, a great sir. time to get connected. Uh, when are you guys headed back down there? 
So right now we have another one of our board members is actually looking to get drafted. And so obviously him and I will hopefully be in season for a long time until October-ish. And so we're planning for the tournament to be in November of 2024. Love it. Yes, Love it. So about a year from now, and it's not like Jake's going to not be busy in med school. So we'll, uh, yeah, no. he'll need a good, he'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Dude, Luke, this has been fun, man. Thanks for joining the show this week. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.